How is everybody? <laughs> we got rain, right? We needed rain. We got ample amounts of rain this morning. We're caught up for a while, so that's good. Uh, hey, let me tell you a fun story. <laughs> if you have kids, you'll appreciate this story. Kids are a lot cooler than adults, by the way. Uh, you just have better conversations um, with kids. The other day, <laughs> let me preface this story. Does anyone have like those shorts that they work around the house in? Does any, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I have two pairs of shorts. You guys don't want to know this, but I'm going to tell you. I have two pairs of shorts. One are a pair of jorts. They're jean shorts, right? Maybe cut a little bit shorter than they should be, but my wife really likes them, and I have those. <laughs> And <laughs> that's a true story, man. Whenever I wear those jorts when I'm like working around the house, Alicia's like, yeah. I like, you know, anyways. Uh, so, <laughs> so I have the cutoff jean shorts that I like, I'll, you know, mow the grass in and, and, um, and you know, I'll, I'll just do different things around the house. And then I have this pair of khaki shorts. They're like cargo shorts. And they're, they're not even appropriate to go anywhere outside of my yard because there's like holes in the butt and like, you know, it's like frayed on the ends and all this stuff. And I, I'm not even allowed to wear those anywhere. My wife tells me that. And uh, so on Fridays, that's my only day off. And typically on Fridays, I'll wake up a little bit earlier than everyone and I'll go work on my old car or I'll do some stuff around the yard. And that, that just helps me kind of decompress. I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff. And, and so last Friday, <laughs> I'm wearing the, uh, the khaki ones. And I just changed the oil in my, I've got an old Buick and I just changed the oil in my car and I started oil all over my hands and all over my shorts and um, I'm wearing flip-flops and like I've got this, <laughs> I looked really good, had this old tank top on that has oil stains all over it. I mean, I just look like the biggest redneck and I haven't done anything to my hair so it's like sticking straight up, you know, because it's Friday, it's my day off, right? So hair's all sticking up and I'm just, I look like I just like got out of a, you know, a car wreck or something, right? And I, I come in and my youngest had just woken up. It's maybe like 8.30 or something like that. And she's sitting there and she's, <laughs> she's sitting there eating cereal and she's looking at me. She's six years old. She's looking at me and she goes, Dad, did you get attacked by a werewolf? <laughs> and I was like, her name's Vi. I was like, no, no, Vi. I was just working on the car. And she's just going, you sure you didn't get attacked by a werewolf? And I was like, well, there's no such thing as werewolves, right? And so we had had that conversation, and, and uh, she just had a really hard time believing me. But again, that's why kids are cooler than adults. You can't have those kind of conversations with adults, right? And that was just a lot of fun. So anyways, there's uh, way too much information about me. So um, usually, if you're new to the church, we're going through whole books of the Bible. We've been going through, we went through the book of Acts for about, gosh, almost 10 months. We started last September and uh, we went through all 28 uh, chapters of the book of Acts, spent a lot of time doing that. Um, we typically in the summer, we'll take a break and we'll do some, some kind of things that are maybe cultural or maybe just some things that we kind of fundamental things that we need to catch up on. And a couple of weeks ago, we did the five essentials of growing closer to God, basically. Going to church, praying, reading the Bible, having community, giving back to your community, these kind of essential things. And then last week, we took prayer from that list of five and we kind of expounded on that. And you should have in your hands, we've been giving them the last two weeks, these prayer outlines, which is really, really handy. You don't need to fill this out now, but I recommend you fill this out at home and, and get in the habit of praying this. And so what we've been doing last week and what we're going to do this week are there's four steps that are a part of this, and we are going to go through the, the next couple of steps. Last week, we did praise, which is not just thanking God, it's thanking God for who he is, 
Not just, God, you've done these things for me, but God, you're good. God, you're the creator. God, you are worthy to be praised because you're a, a good father that loves his children. Praise. And then we talked about praying for other people. So last week was not about you. It was about God, and it was about others. Now this week, we're going to do the second block on this prayer outline and the fourth block. We're going to talk about repentance, and we're going to talk about praying for ourselves. Very, very important things, okay? And this is kind of the order we've been working down, all right? Last week, we did one and three. This week, we're going to do two and four, okay? So now, I've also said this the last couple of weeks. A, I recommend you fill this prayer outline out. It will, it will dramatically grow your relationship with God. If you get in the habit of being deliberate with your prayers, daily with your prayers, and saying your prayers out loud, it will dramatically change your relationship with God. That's one thing I recommend. Other thing I recommend is get our app for the church. Not because I'm just trying to like get you to get the app, but there's these prayer updates. If you have the app every single day, we've been sending you some scriptures and some different things to pray for. It's a really good way to be held accountable. You get the notice and you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna take a couple of minutes and I'm gonna pray for these things. Please download that. It's free and it's just a really neat resource, all right? So I'm gonna pray. We're gonna jump into today. Again, it's gonna be a little bit different at the end. We're gonna invite you to come up and pray if you want to be prayed for. We're gonna open up communion, which I know we do all the time, but I'm gonna give you a little bit of extra time to just spend some time praying, repenting, talking to God, and uh, I hope you take advantage of that this morning, okay? All right, is it stopped raining outside? Yeah, the nine o'clock was rough, guys. There was like people just like coming in like soaked. We had to turn the heat on in here because everyone was cold, right? Because uh, everyone was wet. So um, yeah, 11 o'clockers, you, you won today. So uh, anyways, so I'm going to pray. We'll dive into this and, and we'll see where the Lord takes us, okay? Lord Jesus, God, we thank you. We love you, God. We praise you, Lord. We, we praise you because you're good. God, all joking aside, thank you for the rain. We needed it, God. Thank you for, for sending us rain. Lord, uh, we praise you because you're a good father. You give us good things. You listen to us, Father. Lord, we want to pray for every church in our city. We want to pray for every nonprofit in our city. We want to pray that today our eyes and our ears are open so we can not only hear what you have to say to us, God, but we can apply it. We can do it. We can absorb it. And Lord, I just pray that through this message today and just through looking at your word, God, that we can have better prayer lives because the whole point of this is to get closer to you and closer to others. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. We give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's talk about repentance, right? So we praise God, and then the second thing is we repent. Now, repentance is a huge deal in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Peter, if you were not here with us through the book of Acts, Peter kind of teaches the first lesson that includes repentance after the church started in the book of Acts. So after a bunch of different followers of Jesus are hanging out in this, this rented apartment building in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit falls on them. All these people pour out into the street and they're speaking in different languages that they shouldn't know. And a bunch of people were confused. And Peter is going to clarify and kind of lay out and define what we're supposed to do, and he speaks to the crowd and he teaches his first sermon. Now, in his first sermon, in Acts 2.38, he says something that is pivotal. He basically gives us a couple of steps on how we become followers of Jesus, and it's pretty simple. 
The first one is we have to believe in Jesus, right? We have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that died for our sins and rose again. We have to believe that, and he tells us that. A second thing is he says, after you believe, you have to repent. And then after you repent, he instructed us to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's basically us getting in front of people and saying, I've become a Christian, I'm gonna follow Jesus Christ. So what we see in Peter's sermon is repentance is kind of the key that turns the whole engine on. That we cannot move forward in a relationship with God without repenting. So we admit our faults and we have to be willing to change. Now here's where we get hung up. A lot of us in this room are quick to admit that we make mistakes, but we're very unwilling to take the steps to stop making those mistakes. That's where we get hung up. But it is essential to change the way we think and act in order to be saved. So this doesn't just happen with God. We also need to repent to other people. Jesus instructs us that if we have wronged other people, we are to go to other people and ask for their forgiveness. And when we refuse to do that, not only do we live miserable lives on planet Earth because no one likes us, right? Not only that, we have stifled our growth with God because Jesus told us in the gospel that if we have issues with each other, that we have no right bringing our sacrifices to God. We need to, to the best of our abilities, reconcile with each other before we bring our offerings to Him. Now, I know that we can't always do that, right? Everyone in this room has that family member that you have tried to connect with. We have that friend that we have tried to resolve these issues with, and they just won't let us. But the point is we have to do the best that we can, and that honors God. So we ask for God's forgiveness, and when we've wronged others, we ask for their forgiveness as well. Now, here's the thing about repentance. We have a bad definition of what that is. Repentance is not just saying, God, I'm sorry. That's not the biblical definition of repentance. That's part of it. The biblical definition of repentance, true repentance, is to change one's mind resulting in a change of action. Now, this is the kind of theology that a lot of people hate. Oh, I can say I'm sorry, but I have to change? I have to do things differently? Well, according to the Bible, in multiple sp spots, yes, we do. In fact, in Acts 26.20, it says this, all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove that they have changed by the good things they do. Now, this is where a lot of bad theology has crept in, especially into the Southern church, right? You guys know these people. It's like, hey, Corey, can you pray for my cousin? He smokes crack and beats his wife every day, but he's saved, you know, but I need you to pray for him. And I'm like, really? You think he's saved? You think he walks after Jesus Christ? The man abuses different substances and beats his wife, and you think he's okay, but you want me to pray for him. That's kind of odd, right? The thing is, is if we claim to follow Jesus, we're going to resemble Jesus. I mean, that's what following Christ is. That's what being a Christian is. doesn't mean we're perfect. But if I say that I follow Jesus, I'm doing the best I can to live the way that Jesus has told us to live. So if you're just mean to people all the time, that is not following Christ. I would say there's something wrong with your heart if you just can't be nice to people because God tells us to love others and treat them with respect and dignity, right? So yes, see this, you're a smart group. And so repentance isn't just a change of thought process and action. 
Repentance is also a lifestyle. It's not just doing it one time. Every single day, we should acknowledge that we have shortcomings. And when we do that, it helps us focus on God. It helps us focus on the cross. It humbles us. When repentance is a part of our prayer life, it draws us closer to God. Well, why do you say that? I say that because the word says that God pushes away from arrogant people who don't think there's anything wrong with them, and he draws near to people who are humble and admit their faults. So I want to do that as much as possible. Now, listen, I don't have a porn addiction. I'm not cheating on my wife. I don't have any of the big sins in my life, if you will. But guys, pride can, can creep into my life. Arrogance can creep into my life. Materialism can creep into my life. And I need to bring those things to God as well. God, I am not hitting the mark all the time. And listen, when we do that, Jesus doesn't kick you in the face while you're down because the Bible says Jesus doesn't condemn us. He saves us from condemnation. When we admit our faults, he helps us. He restores us. He makes us better. So what keeps us from doing this? What keeps us for, from having an honest conversation with God and admitting our wrongs, right, and changing our, our ways? Well, the first one is bad theology. Again, I'm not trying to be a jerk or arrogant with this, but a lot of you have been taught a very bad theology. You pray one time, say this thing, and you're good. I gave my life to when I was 15. I've been living like hell ever since, but I'm good. That is bad theology. It's not biblical theology. And so a lot of, a lot of us have been taught bad theology. We haven't been taught that repentance is a big deal, that repentance is a way of our life, right? Something we do regularly. We haven't been taught that. Another reason why we don't repent is nothing is ever our fault, <laughs> We live in a culture where we blame shift. We don't want to be held accountable or responsible for anything. I can't tell you how many times over the years I found out that, you know, a woman was cheating on her husband and I'll go and say, hey, you're doing this. Well, my husband doesn't give me enough attention. Guys, let me break it to you. There is never an excuse to sin. You guys are out there, right? Okay, all right, just wondering. There is never an excuse to do the wrong thing. I don't care how awful, like, like how many dinners your wife doesn't cook for you, it's wrong to cheat on your wife. I don't care how much attention your husband doesn't show you, it's not okay to have an affair. Those things are wrong. You need counseling, you need Christ, like there may need to be a temporary separation, there may need to be steps that take place, but there is never an excuse to do the wrong thing. So we blame shift, right? It's someone else's fault. Or we rationalize sin. Hey, everyone is sleeping with their boyfriend, so I can do it too, right? 95% is what statistics say, lose their virginity before marriage, so it's cool. Because if we just sin enough, God changes the word, right? If we just all do the wrong thing, God says, okay, go ahead, right? Everyone's doing it. No. Another reason why we don't repent is we self-medicate. How we do it with sex, we do it with drugs, we do it with distraction, well, good, I'm not addicted to anything. No, we just watched nine hours of Netflix today, right? I'm not addicted to anything. We just binge watch Stranger Things for three days, right? Don't take a shower and everything else. Some of you are laughing because you've done it. <laughs> we self-medicate. We want to cover up the guilt. We want to cover up the shame. We want to do something to get our mind off of it. That's why we're on our phones so much. 
We don't want too much silence. We don't want too much accountability. We don't want too much time with God because we have these issues. Just so you don't feel like I'm putting all the blame on you, let me tell you a self-medication story about mine, uh, my life. We used to do three services on Sunday. We do four services now, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. But we used to do three on Sunday, and it was a six o'clock service at night. Now, I hated the six o'clock. If you came to that service, I'm sorry. It's nothing against you personally. I just didn't like that service. So every single Sunday, I would come back here for my third time, and the service was not growing. Um, people were not serving. They weren't giving. They weren't like, even, it didn't even seem like they enjoyed service. I don't even know why they came, right? I'm teaching, and they're just like, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> so I felt terrible every Sunday night. So here's what I did to self-medicate. I would stop at the Kroger on Memorial by my house. I would buy the king-size box of Swiss cake rolls. I would go back to my house and I'd watch Twin Peaks and I would eat the whole stinking box, right? We talk about a depressing evening, right? Twin Peaks and Swiss cake rolls. That's what I did. And my wife would walk in and she's like, Corey, that's going to kill you. You know, like, you got to stop this. But I remember like thinking, we all find ways to not deal with the problem. But Jesus wants us to deal with the problem. The last reason why a lot of us don't repent is guilt gets the best of us. We make some mistakes, we know we're doing something wrong, and we think that we're not good enough to come to church. Guys, again, I hate to break it to you, that's why we have church, because <laughs> all of us screw up, because all of us do things that we shouldn't do. And when you're in those seasons where you're like, oh, I'm too bad to go to church, that's when you need to come to church like twice, right? That's when you need to be here more often. That's when you need community. That's when you need people that love you. That's when you need to be in an environment that is positive. Be here. So these are all the reasons why we don't repent, and here's all the reasons why we should repent. The most obvious is forgiveness of sins is essential for you to go to heaven. You have to repent in order to be saved. But there's a lot of other benefits when we make repentance a part of our prayer life. One is, is it keeps us humble. It makes us humble people. It heals us. To confess our faults to God heals us. It's therapy for us. Repentance helps us mature in our faith. And the more we give our struggles to God, get this, the less we struggle. The more we give it to him, the, the less we sin. The Bible says we start to become overcomers, that sin has lost its control over us. That's what the Bible says in Colossians. The last thing is, repentance brings us closer to God because humility brings us closer to God. And when we're closer to God, we also get closer to other people and we start asking for their forgiveness and we build bridges instead of burn them down. So our lives get better here and they're better for eternity, right? Good reason to repent. So praise, repentance. The third one is praying for others and then the last block on that outline is you, your personal needs. Now, I love Jesus' teachings. I know you guys do too. That's probably why you're here. But there is this philosophy that Jesus had all throughout the Gospels, and I love it. It's completely the opposite of what the world tells us. Jesus' philosophy is that we need to come last. Jesus even says in the Gospels, I think it's in the book of John, where he says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve you. Jesus came and put himself last, and we were to model that. Now, one time Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, guys, if you're ever invited to a party, let me tell you, Christian party ethics, right? How to do this. He says, if you go to a party 
And the host is sitting up here towards the, the, the head of the table, and all the important people sit next to the host, right? Jesus said, when you're invited to a party, don't sit right next to the host. Don't go in and sit at the important seat. Because if that seat is already reserved, you're going to feel like a fool when the host says, hey, that seat's reserved. Can you get up and sit down there? Jesus said, you're going to feel really stupid if you do that, right? Don't do that. Jesus says, when you get invited to a party, sit in the low, in the low seats. Sit in the seat of humility. Seat, sit yourself last at the table, as far away from the host as possible. And Jesus said, the reason why you sit in that seat is when the host notices you, he's going to ask you to get up and move closer to him. And when you do that, you're honored. And the guests at the party say, wow, look, like the host has asked this person to sit up there and you'll be invited to sit in a better place. Now, the illusion that Jesus is making there is in our lives, we are to put ourselves last. And when we put ourselves last, the host, God, blesses us and puts us in a better spot. Now, in everything we do, especially in our prayer life, we should come last. We typically put ourselves first, and we need to come last. God, repentance, others, and then us. We come last. But even though we come last, we need to make sure that we do pray for ourselves. God knows we need to pray for ourselves. So when we pray for ourselves, what should we ask for? The first thing that we should ask for, in my opinion, is you should ask for wisdom. If you're a parent in this room, you need wisdom. If you're a husband or a wife in this room, you need wisdom. If you own a small business, you need wisdom. Almost every person's lot in life needs an extra dose of wisdom. And in the book of James, the brother of Jesus, he says that when we pray for wisdom, God always gives us wisdom and gives it in abundance. Pray for wisdom. We also need to pray for his will. Whenever we are in the will of God, life moves forward better. We start to get things that we need and, and we start to get the desires of God. We need to make sure that we're where God wants us to be. So God, make sure that I know your will. I wanna be in your will. Pray for that for yourself. You do need to pray for your daily needs. How do you know that? Because Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. That wasn't just talking about food. God knows that you need a decent car to get to work. God knows that you need a, a roof over your head. God knows that you need to be healthy enough to, to raise your kids. And God knows that you have daily needs. And Jesus himself said, ask for those. Ask for those needs. We talked about it last week. Less people would be, would be drowning in anxiety if they depended more on God for their needs. Ask God to help you with your needs. We need to ask God to protect our minds. From every angle, the world is trying to get at your minds, subconsciously, with advertising, with subliminal messages. Man, I mean, just look at sex in our culture, right? Everything is sexualized. You guys remember that Hardee's commercial when it was like these women in bikinis on like a car, like eating a burger, because that's what women in bikinis do, right? Simultaneously wash their car and eat a Hardee's burger, right? But there's like these sexually charged things, and we have to make sure that our mind is guarded. We have to make, that's why Jesus said, deliver us from temptation, right? Keep us far from temptation, because God knows that we need to pray for our mind and for protection over our mind. We need to pray for favor. 
I wrote the book of Daniel up there, so you're missing a scripture. No, no, the whole book of Daniel is about this guy receiving favor, right? Read the whole book of Daniel. This guy went through everything, through multiple leaders that were not God-fearing leaders, and God just showed Daniel just unbelievable favor. Why? Because Daniel prayed for it every single day for him to have favor. We need to pray that God, God, give me favor with my boss. Not so you can be a suck up, right? But God, give me favor at my work. Give me favor at school. Lord, show me the path to go down and, and lead me. Give me favor. We need to pray that we're close to him. It's the whole point of this, isn't there, right? To pray is to get close to him. We need to pray that we remain righteous and holy, that we live the way that we're supposed to live. And the last thing I think we should pray for is we should pray for, our, for, for us to love other people. For some of you, that's very natural. For me, it's not. I remember after I got saved, I fell in love with Jesus and still just kind of didn't like people very much, right? And so I had to find myself in a prayer room. We had this little bitty prayer room, like an eight by eight room in the church I got saved in. And I found myself on my face in the corner sobbing, saying, God, I don't like people. You've got to give me a love for people. Now I'm that guy on the airplane that when you're trying to read a book, I want to talk to you. That's me. So if you ever find yourself on an airplane next to me and you're trying to read, I'm like, hey, where are you from, right? What do you, what do, you do for a living? Tell me about you. And those people hate me, but I love them. Anyways, so these are some things we should pray for. Now we often go down an unhealthy path with this. We have a bunch of charlatan actors that call themselves pastors because they're trying to make a lot of money off people. And they use scripture like Psalm 37, four that says, if you just delight in the Lord, you get whatever you want. That's what the passage actually says, delight in the Lord and you'll get the desires of your heart. And so a lot of pastors use that to manipulate people. Hey, just come to church and you're always gonna be healthy and wise and wealthy and you're gonna have everything you want. Just ask God to give you that Ferrari, first send us 1995, right? And you have these people. Now that is a, a misuse, that is a manipulation of the Bible. Here's what David meant when he wrote that. Not that if we love the Lord, we get whatever we want. What David meant is when we love the Lord, we start to think like the Lord. When we love the Lord, we start to want the same things that God wants. And when we want the same things that God wants, he gives us those things. When we want the hungry to be fed, God allows us to do that. When we want people who don't have health insurance in other countries, God gives us the means to share with those people. When we want the things that God wants, we start to receive those things. And so what has happened is a lot of people have used praying for yourself is some kind of view of this cosmic Santa Claus that they call Jesus, right? And that you get whatever you want. And that is not what the scripture says. Other people say, well, didn't Jesus say that God is a good father and gives us good things? Yes, the Bible does say that. But what is good to God is not always perceived as good by you and I. Sometimes we want things that are not good for us. And oftentimes we ask God for things, but because we have bad motives or because we want things that God knows are not good for us, we don't get those things. Well, Corey, I have prayed for God to bless me with my finances, but you're not good with the $30,000 you're making now. Why would God give you $90,000 that you're not going to be good with? I know that like upsets some of you guys, right? Some people come up to me, oh, I don't want to get into finances, but some people come up to me and they'll ask for me to pray for something. Corey, can you just pray that I have more time? And we'll start talking about time. And then I find out that they are the ones binge watching Stranger Things for nine hours. And I'm like, 
you don't need more time. You need to prioritize things, right? God's not going to give you more of something that you don't know how to handle. And so sometimes God knows that those good things that he wants to give us are not always good for us. So he doesn't give us those good things. So when we pray, here's how we need to qualify all of our prayers. God, I would love to have this. We'd love to move here. I'd love this job, but Lord, let your will be done. If it's where you want me to be, God, put me there. If it's not what's good for me, and if it's not what you want for me, God, shut that door. I don't need it. Now, here's the last thing I'm going to tell you. There is nothing wrong with praying to God and telling him what you want beyond your needs. There's nothing wrong with you being a successful business owner. There's nothing wrong with you being affluent. That means having money. There's nothing wrong with you having a, a, a nice house or living in that neighborhood or that city you want to be in. There's nothing wrong with you uh, getting a decent car. There's nothing wrong with you having a hobby. There's nothing wrong with you traveling. Nothing wrong with any of these things. But when those things come first on your list, there's a problem with your heart. But when we put things in the proper order, God, repentance of sin, when we pray for others and then we position ourselves last, we've positioned ourselves in a place to ask for things for us. But here's what we need to keep in mind. We need to keep in mind that the Word of God never tells us that we're going to get what we want. It just tells us that if we trust Him, we will have everything that we need. So we need to keep that in mind. Okay, so homework, right? And I got a couple more questions to ask you, but before we move on, you got four blocks on here, right? The first one's broken up into two parts. I advise you, take this thing home, fill it out, and get in the habit of praying this. Look at it and pray it. Speak it. Do this. And I give you my word. This will bless you. This will make your prayer life better. I guarantee it. It will, it will draw you closer to God, and it will draw you closer to other people. Work through this outline. But the two that we focused on today, the reason why repentance is such a big issue is before our prayers can be effective and before we can get closer to God, we must address sin. We must address sin. Some people say we need to pray against shame and guilt. We do. But if you pray against sin, the shame and guilt will go with it. Shame and guilt are a product of sin. We need to pray and we need to alleviate this sin in our lives. And if we truly repent, if we are truly repenting to God, we're going to change the way we do things. Practical thing that I'm talking about. If you look at pornography every single day, right? If you get on your laptop at 3 o'clock in the morning when your wife's asleep and you're looking at porn, you can get up the next morning when you feel bad, right? And you're like, God, I am so sorry. But if you get right back on it the next night, you have not truly repented. You need to confess that fault. You need to either shut the laptop. You need to get rid of the laptop. You need to leave it at the office. You need to have some accountability. If it's on your cell phone, do something crazy and get like a dumb phone, right? If you can't help but look at porn on your smartphone, get a flip phone. You will still live. You can still exist, right? I, I guarantee you. Do whatever you have to do. I would rather you go to heaven with a flip phone to hell than to hell with the best smartphone. You guys can laugh at that, but it's true. Some of you are addicted to those stupid things, and you're looking at things that you shouldn't be looking at on that smartphone. Do whatever you have to do. That is true repentance. The reason why this is important is when we have sin in our life, it puts a distance between us and God. 
But when we repent for our sin, it reminds us that God is not trying to like zap us with lightning bolts. He loves us and he wants to help us get better. When we sin, God doesn't wanna like curb stomp us, right? Because we sinned. He wants to pick us up and clean us off and say, you're better than this. I want more for you. He loves us. He's a good dad. He's not there to condemn us. He's there to save us from condemnation. That's why we repent. That's why we go back to him. Now, let me ask you this. If you are in this room today, we've praised, we've repented, we've prayed for others. Now, what about you? What do you need? Do you need healing in your mind or in your body? Guys, you can think I'm a charismatic quack, but I'm gonna quote Jesus Christ to you. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, if you are sick, let the elders of the church anoint you with oil for healing. We keep olive oil up here on both sides of the stage. I don't know if you just thought we made salads up here or what, but there is olive oil. <laughs> olive oil on both sides of the stage, and that is because Jesus said that the elders of the church can anoint people with oil and they will be healed. We have that. We will have some elders up here at the front if you want them to pray for you, if you have any kind of mental, emotional, or physical healing. Listen, we put it in God's hands, but hey, let's put it in God's hands. What do you have to lose? Some of you need to pray for daily provisions. Some of you are hurting financially. Some of you need to get out of that neighborhood. Some of you need a better job. Some of you need some better transportation. Some of you just you need your daily bread, literally, food. Have you brought this to God? Have you asked God? Have you honored God and done everything you could to do your end of it, but then asked him, Lord, I'm doing all I can. I need you. Have you prayed for those daily provisions? Every single person in this room, I tell you, you need to pray for wisdom. If there is a spiritual gift that this generation needs right now, it is wisdom. We need to be wise. There is so much manipulation. There is so much confusion. We need wisdom. Ask for it, and the Bible says you will get it. If you're a young person in here, get in the habit of praying for wisdom every single day as a young person, and God will give you wisdom far beyond your years. Ask for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Some of you may need to pray for God to soften your heart. Some of you have grown callous. Some of you have grown bitter and angry. Some of you have been abused, and your scars have gotten tough. And some of you need to ask God to soften you. I'm telling you guys, I had to lay on my face in a prayer room in a little bitty Pentecostal church and I had to beg God because I hated people. I hated them. But God changed me. God can soften your heart if you ask him to. Some of you may need favor at work. Some of you may have an awful boss. No one that works here, I hope. Someone may have an awful boss. You may have someone at your work that's a peer. You may have someone that, that has given you a hard time and you need to pray for God to give you favor. When I became a student pastor, I had two women that I inherited on my staff that were the worst. They were the worst. And I remember I went to my pastor and I said, these two ladies are the worst. They're disrespectful. They don't do anything I ask them to do. They're awful. What can we do? And his response was, they're big tithe payers. And I was like, Okay, so I went to God and I said, God, you gotta help me out here. You have to give me some kind of favor in this situation. True story, one got a promotion in Kentucky, the other one got a promotion in Florida. <laughs> God blessed him, he also got him the heck out of my way, right? <laughs> Sometimes we need to go to God and say, God, I just need some favor here. 
I need you to help me out here. I need you to show me a door to walk through. And here's the last thing, and you're going to think I'm like a weirdo, right? God is your dad that loves you. When is the last time you went to your dad and said, God, I have this crazy dream. One day I want to sell everything and I want to start a church in Europe where there's no Christians. God, I have this crazy dream. I feel like I'm called to Africa. God, I have this crazy dream. I want to start a business and I want to give 50% of the proceeds to homeless children. God, I want to start this nonprofit. I know it's a crazy, audacious dream, but God, I just, it's this dream. It's this hope. It's this thing I want to do. You know what you may find if you approach God with those kinds of things? He may have something even cooler for you. He may have something even better and bigger than what you even thought. The Bible says his ways are better than our ways. We may think that we have this thing we want to do here, and God's like, no, 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 you're shortchanging yourself. You want to do this. What about this? You never know. When's the last time you said, God, When's the last time you made a, a, a pot of coffee or made a cup of tea and sat down and just talked to God about your hopes and dreams? He wants to hear them. He does. You as a parent in here, don't you want to hear your kids' hopes and dreams? God is a perfect father, and he wants to hear those things. So here's what we're going to do. We always offer communion. Every single service since this church has started, we have always offered communion. Biblically, the only thing that it tells you you have to do with communion is you have to repent for your sins before you take communion. Do not take communion unless you have asked God to forgive you of your sins. All around you, wherever you see a lamp on a table, there's communion. I would love to welcome anyone who wants to, to take the the, uh, uh, bread and the juice that represents the body and the blood of Jesus, reminds us of why we're here, reminds us that God loves us so much that he gave his only son. Everyone is welcome to take that. But before you do it, or maybe if you go get it and come and sit in your seat, however you feel comfortable doing it, I would love for you to spend a little bit of time and talk to God and say, God, these are my shortcomings. Lord, I deal with pride. God, I deal with arrogance. Lord, I don't trust people as much as I should. Bring those things, no matter how big or how small, bring those things to him. Talk to him about those things. The other thing I want to invite you to do is up here at the front, you're going to have a lot of men and women that if you need prayer for anything, please let them come up and pray for you. That's the second thing. There'll be plenty of people, men and women, please let them pray for you. And then the last thing is if you're in here and you're not a Christian, you don't know anything about Christianity, or maybe you do, but you kind of feel something and you don't know what the next step is. Dave, right here to my right, your left, if you have any questions for him about the faith or this church or anything like that, come up here and ask Dave. He's a good guy, and he will point you in the right direction, and he'll help you as much as he can, okay? I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going I'm to invite you to, to, to go whatever route you need to go. Communion and repentance, come up to the front and pray uh, if you need to come up and Dave to t- and talk to him, okay? All right? Lord Jesus, God, we love you. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We lift you up. God, you've been so good to us. Lord, today, we all have needs. Everyone in this room. We all have things that we've done wrong, and we all have needs that we need to bring to you, Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, that today, that if we decide to take communion, Lord, that we can get our hearts right with you, that we can admit our faults, our shortcomings, and that we can be humble and let you take those things, God. We pray, Lord, that if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, they're not a believer, and if they have questions, God, don't let them be afraid or intimidated. Lord, let them come up here and talk to Dave. And Lord, if there's anyone in here who has any kind of needs, 
It may be as small as having their bills paid, or it may be as big as some kind of huge issue or a disease or whatever it may be, God. Whatever needs they have, Lord, let them come up and Lord, let people pray for them. Father, we love you. We thank you, we lift you up, God, and we just, we're, we're just so honored to be in your presence. Bless my brothers and sisters and keep them safe till we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. And I love you guys so much. You're welcome to help yourself to communion, to prayer. You can come up into the front and pray. Thank you so much.